morning, good morning, good morning. Um, we want to welcome you to St. Paul Online. We are certainly delighted and elated about this wonderful opportunity to share as far as our church anniversary is concerned. And on our church anniversary, we have a baptism this morning. So if you're watching us online as far as our Zoom congregation, YouTube, Facebook Live, or if you're on the radio or on Vimeo, we want to welcome you to St. Paul Online. I want you to do us a favor, if you would, in your chat stream, uh, share this as far as this worship experience without starting another uh, page. We want to make sure we stay in the same chat stream. And of course, uh, we want to give God praise because as we baptize, it is a sign that the church is growing. We are 121 years old. Amen. And God deserves to be praised. So one of those gifts is our young sister, Mackenzie Grice, and we're looking forward to baptizing her in just a moment. So do me a favor, if you would, put your hands together. Let's give God praise as Mackenzie gets ready to come into the water. Mackenzie. Mackenzie, how are you doing? All right. Mackenzie, have you uh, accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Okay. And do you still want to be baptized and become a part of the St. Paul Church? All right. All right. I got you. I feel your heart beating in your shoulder. But I promise you're going to be okay. All right. So, Mackenzie... Based upon your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and your desire to be baptized this morning, we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. is going to come and continue to lead us in worship. God bless you all. Put our hands together and give God praise for McKenzie. Praise God. Praise God. Put your blessed hands together for another soul that has been baptized into the family. We thank God for 121 years as we celebrate. The scripture says in Psalms 118 verse 24, let us come together in worship. Let us come together. It was, I'm, I was glad unto me when they said it to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So as we go into the house of the Lord, let us worship together by singing our hymn, He Lives.
I'm so glad that he lives in my heart. Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and I will be reading out of the New King James Version. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' direction and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came among every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as everyone, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The word of God for the people of God. Glory be to God. Let's go to God in prayer. Eternal God, our Father, God of peace, God of mercy, and God of love, we thank you for carrying us through the danger seen and unseen. God, we thank you for carrying us through hard times. And God, we thank you for keeping us even when we did not want to be kept. God, you are awesome in all of your ways and mighty is the work of your hands. So, God, in this worship service, we ask you that you have your way. Have your mighty way, God. Have your mighty way. So that, God, we can worship freely and give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise that you deserve. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Amen. We worship the wonderful Lord and Savior, God, our King, Jesus Christ this morning. Let's give it up for the name of Jesus this morning. Can we? Can we praise him? Can we praise him for his mighty name this morning? The beautiful, beautiful name of Jesus. Man, I, I tell you guys, I want to uh, have us lift up another round of applause for our new sister in Christ, Mackenzie Grice, and the wonderful baptism that we experienced this morning. Man, I'll tell you what, if there's any, any type of joy that you are looking for during this time of COVID, for me, one of those has been watching our, some of our children and youth get baptized during this time. There is nothing better than seeing a child make that commitment to follow our Lord Jesus for the rest of their lives. I think that is something that we can all be thankful for and find joy in. Guys, this morning, I really want to talk about the wonderful name that is Jesus. The wonderful name that is Jesus. And so the title of today's message will be this, what's in a name? What's in a name? Our memory verses comes from Acts chapter 3, verse 16. I'll be reading from the New International Version, which says this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Acts chapter 3, verse 16. The bottom line, guys, for us today is this. There is power. In the name of Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? There is power in the name of Jesus. I wonder, I wonder kids and youth, how often do you call for your mom or dad or a family relative that takes care of you? How often do you call their name? I could say the name mom growing up and it had this awesome power to summon my mom whenever I called her. I could be having a bad dream or something scared me or I needed her because I was sick. Maybe I lost something or maybe it was because my sister Rachel wouldn't let me watch TV. When I was sick, I'd be feeling a sore throat or complaining about my stomach pain that I could be feeling. And when it became too much, I would gather up all the strength that I could laying in bed and I would let out a big mom. You see, there was something powerful about when I called for my mom. She came to me and she helped me. She comforted me when I was sad and when I was scared. And she showed up to take care of me when I was sick or when I needed something. A lot of times, you see, we we all call our parents or or guardians or the people that take care of us because we need something. Or maybe we even call on a friend when we need them, when we need their presence. That's why we say their name. We want them to show up. Guys, we also can call on the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you that this morning. And he will show up. The name Jesus literally means this, guys. Did you know the name Jesus means God saves? That's what his name means. And that's what he did for us, isn't it? He saved us. God's purpose for Jesus to die for us and save us. And that's what he did. His name is the one and only name we have been saved by. And it's in the name of Jesus that there is healing. There is forgiveness. There is purpose. And last but not least, guys, there is power in the name of Jesus. Again, let's read our verse for today. It comes from Acts chapter 3, verse 16, which says this, By faith in the name of Jesus, 
This man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and that faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. You guys, one day, Peter and John, two disciples of Jesus, were heading to the temple to pray. The temple was, for Peter and John, what church is for us. When they got to the gates that led to the temple, they noticed a man who was very weak and unable to move his body. This man would have people carry him to the temple gate so that he could beg for money to live off of. That's, that's, that's how unmovable he was. When this man saw Peter and John, he asked them for money. They didn't have any money on them, but instead they looked at this man who was unable to move by himself. And they looked at him and said this, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. That's simple. In the name of Jesus, walk. And this man got up on his feet and he started walking and jumping around. He started praising God for his healing. In that moment where the name of Jesus was said, he immediately could walk. The people nearby the temple, other Israelites, were surprised by this. And they wondered how in the world this could happen. How in the world this man could have been healed. Peter and John, they were surprised that the people were so in shock and in awe of what had just taken place. Because why couldn't they remember? Peter and John had hung out with the man called Jesus. They had, they had hung out with the man that they had healed this man um, in his name for. They were disciples of Jesus when he was alive on earth. And they reminded the people of how awesome Jesus is and that he's still alive today. You see, guys, they were disciples of Jesus when he was alive on earth. And they knew of how awesome Jesus was and how awesome he is. They knew of the power that is in the name of Jesus. They saw Jesus raise people. They saw him heal people. They saw him rise from the grave himself. They knew the power that Jesus had and they knew the power that was in his name. And so they told the people that Jesus had given them the spiritual power to heal people in his name. The disciples could heal people in the name of Jesus. And because of this, guys, because of what they did for this man. And this is one of the examples that I see in the Bible that there is power in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Have you ever tried saying the name of Jesus out loud? Try saying it with me this morning. Jesus. Jesus. What a simple, what a beautiful, mighty name that is. Have you ever sung about him or how awesome he is? Have you ever praised his name? Because when the name of Jesus is mentioned, guys, amazing things happen. It doesn't always have to be this big, amazing miracle. You can say the name of Jesus when you are sick. You can call on him when you are afraid, when you're hungry, when you're angry, or when you're sad. The name of Jesus is powerful because we know that Jesus is alive. We pray in his name because we know that in his name, we have the ability to talk to God. In the name of Jesus, there is power from God that gives us the courage and the strength to live our lives in this pandemic world. When we say his name and we tell him about our sins, it's in his name that we are saved. In Jesus' name, there is love, there is forgiveness, there is kindness because of who he is and how he lived. Are you beginning to see what's in the name of Jesus? When his name is spoken, guys, darkness runs and it hides because in his name there is light. 
Evil knows it has been defeated and Satan runs and he hides himself, guys. Because when we say the name of our Lord and Savior, he gets scared. Even when kings and kingdoms all pass away, there's this beautiful hymn that I learned growing up in church that says the mighty name of Jesus will still be praised forever. It will be praised for who he is and for what he has done for us. So can we all say it together three times? I want to say his name together because there is a beautiful power in his beautiful name. Can we say it on three? Let's say it three times. Jesus. 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 Guys, what a beautiful name it is. Can you join me in prayer this morning as we close out this impact moment? Dear Lord, I thank you so, so very much for the beautiful name of Jesus this morning. I thank you for everything that you have done for him and for the evidence that we see, God, in our lives and in the Bible that you are powerful and that in your name there is salvation, there is the means to be saved, there is happiness, there is grace, there is joy, there is everything that we are looking for, God, and it's in your name. God, I pray that our children and our youth that everyone watching right now would feel the ability to call on your name, Jesus. Anytime they are in pain, anytime they are in need, anytime, God, they are scared or sad, let them call on your name, Jesus, because you will be there. Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you for being there for us when we call on your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you all. I love you very much. We come and we honor the name of Jesus and we thank God for sharing from uh, Reverend Peyton C. this morning for our young people. Can we give God praise for 121 years of existence here at the St. Paul Church? Amen. Amen. It is a wonderful blessing to be able to celebrate and to uh, share as far as our church being in existence for over 121 years. And of course, our founders who took with great intentionality and purpose uh, to make sure that we would be a mission-oriented church. Um, when they started out our church 121 years ago, uh, there are a whole lot of institutions that have gone under. And St. Paul is still standing. And of course, uh, we're standing by the grace and the mercy and the power of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. One of the ways that the local church, the local fellowship grows, is really through baptism. And today we have baptized uh, Mackenzie Amani Grice, and uh, she was a trooper, and I just want to celebrate her. We want to present her today with a certificate and a Bible. So I'm going to ask that uh, she will come down front as we make this presentation. Mackenzie, you were a trooper with your Winston-Salem State mask on. 
you, you were a trooper and we want to celebrate you and want to thank God for you. Today I want to present to you a Bible and I want to present to you a certificate. The Bible, of course, is the Word of God and we want you to read it. And if you have any questions, go to your parents. And, of course, you can ask any of us here as far as trying to help you to understand the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to partake in our Sunday morning live as well as uh, anything that uh, Reverend Peyton C. is doing as far as our youth and children are concerned. The other thing is, I'm going to give you a certificate. This is your second birthday certificate. Your first birthday was your natural birth. This is your spiritual birth. So if you want to try to get some goodies from your parents, you can tell them you got to celebrate two birthdays, okay? All right. So at this time, I want to present to you your certificate and your Bible. We are so godly proud of you. We thank God for you, and we want to do all that we can to be a blessing to help you to become the woman that God will have for you to be. And so if you see on these screens, as well as people you can't see that are cheering you on, and I'm going to ask that you all will give God praise for Mackenzie. Amen. 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 All right, you can go back and have a seat. We thank God for Mackenzie. And what a what a blessing. What a blessing. What a blessing. I want to thank uh, our chair, uh, Deacon Dot Barnes, for helping me out as far as uh, the pool is concerned. Thank you. Uh, Madam Chair, so, so very, very much. We are uh, moving forward as far as celebrating 121 years of existence. And part of that, of course, is what we do as far as ministry and mission are concerned here at St. Paul. I want to thank you all for your graciousness and generosity as we've served over 190 families uh, this week uh, through our food pantry. And God is to be praised for that. Also, just want to let you all know that our Deacon Family Scholarship uh, application process is open. If you're interested, we want you to contact Deacon Pat Chambers at paddycake0812 at att.net or Levon, Deacon Levon Sessoms at lsess at hotmail.com for an application. So that's for our Deacon Family Scholarship. Also, the Academic Resource Ministry is happy to announce that the applications for scholarship and graduate recognition forms will be available soon. The applicants may start applying online Monday. Uh, scholarships are for high school graduates and we will recognize graduates from high school, from community college, undergrad and graduate degrees. Uh, deadline for submissions is May 14th, and our Academic Resource Ministry co-chairs are Dr. Sherelle Fuller and Deacon in Training, uh, Tanya Grimes. Uh, also, just want to remind all of our sisters here at St. Paul that Women's Weekend is coming up, and we want to invite all the ladies of St. Paul, along with our guests, to share with us online in our worship services Sunday school class or midweek Bible study to share the virtual women's weekend and with the theme this is our exodus it's starting Friday May the 14th through Sunday May the 16th Friday will be a zoom prayer call at 6 p.m. 
Saturday, they will host the First Ladies Tea, which will be virtually. And then uh, if you register online by April 19th on the church website, starting today, you will be able to receive your special women's tea packet from the church on May 1st, when they will collect undergarments for women in need, a partnership with a Giving Heart Foundation for their annual outreach project. Then on Sunday morning, join us for our Women's Day worship experience, where our guest preacher for both the tea and the Sunday morning worship is my sister, the Reverend Dr. Susan uh, Sujay Johnson-Cook. Uh, she is a gifted preacher and pastor. She served as ambassador at large for international religious freedom uh, under President Barack Obama. So ladies, make sure you register for this wonderful celebration and share in a full slate of activities. Also, just want to remind you, ministry leaders, Ministry leaders, we need you to complete your budget request form for 21-22 fiscal year as we make preparations to do a new budget. All forms are available on the church website. You can download, complete, and submit to your staff advisor by the end of this month. Amen. Amen. As we move forward, we want to, uh, at this time, uh, move to a time of prayer. And we want to uh, call your attention as far as this moment is concerned. And I would dare say we have a lot of prayer concerns that we want to bring before you. And of course, ask that you will partner with us as far as this time of prayer is concerned. The family of Brother William M. White, who is the father of disciple Marcella Marcy Conkey Patton, uh, his services will be today. In Wilmington, Delaware, and the funeral, I mean, burial will take place tomorrow in Newcastle, Delaware. Also, we want to lift up the family of Ramya Fuller, the step-grandmother of disciple Yvonne Smith. Her services is scheduled for Wednesday, this Wednesday at A.E. Greer Funeral Home in Charlotte. Viewing will be at 11 a.m., and the service will be at noon. The family of Oscar Williams Board, uh, the former husband of disciple Gail Boyd. Uh, his services will take place today at Wells Family Mortuary in Charlotte, and his viewing will be at noon, and the service will be at one. Also, the family of Brother James Funches, the uncle of disciple Lynette Parker, and the details of his services are pending as far as final arrangements. And just want to mention that Sister uh, Lynette Parker has had... Uh, significant losses over the last few months and we really want to flank her family with our prayers. We also want to continue to lift up those families who are dealing with the loss of a loved one. The family of Brother Brit, uh, Freddie Tate, the family of Brother Edward Fryer, the family of Sister Shay Clark, the family of Sister uh, Jalosha Sales, the family of Brother Eddie Cuffey, the family of Mother Ruth D. Lemon, the family of Brother Disciple Thomas Bird, and the family of the Reverend Dr. Kim Kimberly Credit. Um, we want to keep those families lifted up in prayer. We also have um, quite a few of our disciples who are sick, who have had surgery, who are dealing with significant illness or in the hospital. We want to continue to lift up Corisha Pickford. Uh, Brother Anthony Farr had uh, surgery. Uh, several days ago, we want to continue to frank, flank him with our prayers. And you'll see the names 
of those that are scrolling on our screen as far as our uh, live stream is concerned. We want you to cover them with prayer as well. I'm going to ask that Minister Ben Tate will come. He's going to lead us to the throne of grace as we go to the Lord in prayer. God, our Father, and God, our Keeper, God, our Sustainer, God, our Protector, God, we lift our, our family members to you, God, in this time of bereavement and also in recovery. God, the list may be long, but we understand that death does not limit your reach. And God, we thank you for being present. So God, as you continue to comfort these family members that are handling bereavement, God, as they cry, hold them close. And God, as they lament, speak a word to them that will give them peace. God, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace, God. We thank you for your love, God. And we thank you for every single thing that you do for us especially in these times. God, COVID may not be over, but God, you are a overcoming God and you will overcome every situation and help us through as we rely on you. It is in our son, your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you believe that God is moving and answering your prayer, can you give God praise? At this time, I think we could do a whole lot better than that. If you believe that God is answering your prayer, come on, let's celebrate God and let's give God praise. Amen. 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 I can't wait till we can come back into the sanctuary to be able to share and celebrate and see one another. Uh, usually during church anniversary, um, we would have uh, a glorious time in the Lord. And we would be bringing in a special preacher. And then, of course, afterwards, we would share in a fellowship meal uh, in the uh, Ray of Hope, as well as in the fellowship hall and other areas throughout the church to encompass uh, our large congregation. Of course, that's not the case this year. It is my prayer that uh, sometime real soon we will be able to uh, have that gathering where the people of God can come back together and be able to celebrate and see one another. And it may be under some uh, uh, protocols, but, but I'm looking forward to that. But until then, you all have been very supportive, very supportive of the ministry here at St. Paul. And you've been doing that through your tithes and your offerings. And we thank God for that. And we don't take uh, that for granted. As we prepare to give, of course, I uh, ask that those who can will give a sacrificial offering of $121, $1 per year uh, for each year this church has been in existence. And so as we prepare to give, there are three ways you can give here at St. Paul. The first is by either mailing your check or money order to the church at uh, 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte 28205, or you can bring your check, cash, or money order to the church. Call the church first to make sure someone is here to receive your offering at 704-334-5309.
The second way you can give is through our website, through ACS or Church Life. You can give in that manner. The third way you can give is through the app called Givelify. And if you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app to your smart device, connect it to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. So as we prepare to uh, pray over our offering this morning, uh, I'm going to ask if, you're ca- if you can, take your offering or however you're giving, place it in your right hand, and let's lift it toward the heavens. We want to give God what's right, not what's left. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for 121 years of being on the battlefield for you. And as we come and as we give thanks, we also come and we give our offering, an offering of gratitude and thanksgiving. And we don't do it grudgingly. We don't do it out of necessity, but we do it cheerfully and out of obedience because you love the cheerful giver. God, if you would, in your own sovereign and imitable way, take these gifts of ours. And God, we pray that you will bless them according to your word. For those that are practicing the discipline of giving tithes and offerings, bless according to your word. For those that are giving something but yet have not reached that point of even wanting to give tithes or offerings, Lord, encourage their hearts. And then, God, for those that feel like they don't have to give anything, we pray, as the folks of old used to say, turpentine their minds until they understand they can't beat you giving no matter how hard you try. We know that tithes and offerings, that's the baseline, really, the starting point of a sense of giving in a disciplined manner. And God, we pray that we here at St. Paul will become a 100% tithe and offering church where we can continue to do the things you will have for us to do. It is in Jesus' name we pray and in his name we claim it done. Amen. Amen. If you would, go ahead and give at this time. And as you are giving, I want to take this wonderful opportunity to present our preacher for uh, this morning. I met this brother back in 1995 when we started the doctor of ministry program at the United Theological Seminary under the late Reverend Dr. Wyatt T. Walker. He was what we call a player coach, uh, basically meaning that he was pursuing his D-men, but he also was assisting Dr. Wyatt T. Walker as far as our group was concerned. And he deserved to have that title as player coach because he was already well accomplished. He did not necessarily need the doctor of ministry degree, but he pursued it to continue to advance his intellectual capacity, but even more so to kind of put him in position to do some of the great things he has done. He is none other than my friend and my brother and classmate, the Reverend Dr. W. Franklin Richardson, the pastor of the Grace Baptist Church in the city of Mount Vernon, New York. He has led that congregation that when they were meeting, they were seeing at least 4,000 disciples in at least three locations. And he has built a ministry that focuses on six primary areas, children and youth development, educational enrichment, health awareness, housing and community development, music, art and culture, and workforce development. Over 80 ministries and it has impacted and changed the lives of 10,000 people annually. 
Uh, he is currently the chairman of the Conference of National Black Churches, which is an ecumenical organization that is comprised of the eight largest historically black denominations in America, representing over 65,000 African-American churches and 20 million individuals, individuals rather. Uh, with a focus on addressing racism, he promotes ecumenism through CNBC, and he's also the chair of the National Action Network that was started by Reverend Al Sharpton. Uh, he uh, has been affiliated with the National Baptist Convention, uh, and God knows he had run for president of our convention, and I believe had he been president, there's no telling where our convention would be right now. And I say that without hesitation or mental reservation. And I say that because of the gifts and the graces and the insight and the cachet that he brings as far as his personhood and personality is concerned. So I want to introduce to the St. Paul Church. I wish he was able to be here in person, but I want to introduce to the St. Paul Church my friend, my brother, the Reverend Dr. W. Franklin Richardson, the pastor of the Grace Baptist Church, the husband of Lady Inez, and um, uh, he's just a joy and a jewel to know. And one day when we open back up, he will be with us in person if the Lord allows, and you'll be able to see why I hold him in high esteem, and I believe you'll be blessed by his word. So after we have this song from our Young Adult Ensemble, the next voice you will hear will be that of my friend, my brother, my classmate, the Reverend Dr. W. Franklin Richardson. Pray for him and pray with him that the word the Lord has given him will be a blessing to us on our 121st anniversary.
Amen. I'm so grateful to have been invited to share with you on this year 121st church anniversary. It is a pleasure to be invited by my colleague, my friend, my brother, my classmate, Dr. Robert C. Scott. We had a great journey together with Dr. Y.T. Walker, exploring ways in which the church could be more effective. We had a great time of understanding what ministry ought to be. And so I want to congratulate him on the excellent leadership that he is providing for the people of St. Paul here in North Carolina. I thank God for our friendship. And I pray now for you as a congregation, as you go into your 122nd year, that God will shepherd you to an even more relevant ministry. I'm proud of all the things I've heard about St. Paul and how it's affected. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to be at St. Paul at some point. But please know that on behalf of the people of Grace Church in Mount Vernon, New York, and the Conference of National Black Churches, which represents the nine historically black denominations where I serve as chairman, we wish to congratulate you on this milestone as you've kept the doors of the church open for 121 years. May God give you strength to go forward into the future even stronger than you were in the past. God bless you, and I welcome this opportunity to share in this service with you today. My brothers and sisters, I want to invite you to join me now in the word of prayer. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for calling us to this moment of anniversary celebration. We thank you, God, that you've been faithful to this congregation across the years. And we pray now, Lord, that you might meet us in this moment, that in this preaching moment, we may offer hope and direction for our future. Make now of this broken vessel an instrument in your perfect hand, that the gospel of Jesus Christ may be preached, and that some hearer may come to a closer relationship with you and be escorted into the future by your love and power and grace. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. On this anniversary Sunday, I'm called to this moment by a passage of scripture that is recorded in the 17th chapter of Matthew. In this passage, I find myself often challenged by its content. It challenges me and it ought to challenge the church. It really is a challenge of relevance. Is the church relevant? Does the church meet the needs? Or is the church somehow engaged in a celebration that is continuous, that is ignoring of the circumstances and challenges of our communities and of our individual lives? This scripture ought to speak to us on this anniversary Sunday as it anniversary is not just a celebration, it is a call to renew commitment to the call that God has placed on the body of Christ. The passage to which I make reference is found in the book of Matthew chapter 17 verses 15 to 20. 
Won't you hear them with me? Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For I verily I say unto you, If you have had the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. This passage, found in the 17th chapter of Matthew, is a chapter that is depicts two extremes of inaction, misfocus, of the disciple community. It is very beautifully illustrated, graphically illustrated and presented in the Italian uh, author Rembrandt's presentation of this text. In, in his graphic, he depicts the church in two postures. One, there is the nine disciples down in the valley who are struggling with a father who has a sick son. They're in the valley with pain and no power. And yet, in the other side of the, in the graphic, he depicts the opening lines of the chapter. He shows Peter, James, and John with Jesus on the mountain. On the mountain. But having power, but not using it to transform the valley. The pain in the valley. I think that is really the tension that the church lives in. To be engaged, to be, to be found in the valley without power, and to be on the mountain with power without any concern for the pain in the valley. What happens in the text is that Peter, James, and John are invited by Jesus to go to the mountain and is on the, what is called the mountain of transfiguration. For there, Jesus is there and he summons from the archives of history Moses and Elijah, and they all counsel there, and it is a magnificent coming together, the, the prophet and the historian and the savior, the Lord. They're on the mountain, and it, the Bible text depicts it as a, as, as, as a special light comes on the mountain. It is, it is a moment of profound inspiration, best captured in the words of Peter, though his direction of his impact is not clear, he does say that it was so powerful that he said it's so wonderful to be here that why not let us build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. Let's stay here. Let's build and build three tabernacles and stay here. To which the voice of God is heard bravado from, from glory. 
This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. God makes it clear that Jesus is not just another prophet, not even a lawgiver. Jesus is the son of God. And Peter wants to concretize the moment. He wants to, he wants to make it last forever. He wants to put it in concrete and, 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 and make it the, the purpose for existence. But Jesus does not permit it because he recognizes that while there's inspiration on the mountain, there's pain in the valley. Peter wants to stay on the mountain. Like many of our churches today, we are, we, we, we are, we are, we are impressed and we pursue in pursuit of popular recognition and continuous praise. We, we judge our ministries by whether or not the decibel level is high, whether the jumping level is high. While uh, we, we, we make balloons and, and fireworks the, the, the expression of a church's accomplishment and success. When in fact, the real purpose of the power on the mountain is to transform the valley. It's what Jesus knows. Jesus says, we can't stay here. We can't stay up on the mountain. We cannot disconnect ourselves. The function of Sunday morning praise is to transform Monday morning pain. The function of the church is to be engaged in the day-to-day struggles of humanity. Down in the valley, even as they are on the mountain, the other nine disciples are down in the valley struggling with a man who has a son, who has demons, and they can't do anything about it. They're down in the valley, but they have no power. What needs to happen is the power from the mountain must be taken to the valley that they may transform the pain. How true it is that in many of our communities today, there are people who are in pain. And while they're in pain, we're in the church praising. We've disconnected from the pain. Our boys and girls are victimized by drug addiction, racial insensitivity and racial hate is rising in the nation. Our jails are filled with disproportionate numbers of black young men and women. Black people still are the last higher than the first fire. We live constantly in this, this world of, of challenge where Black men still get killed, where, where George Floyd is not an abnormality, but he is surrounded by a whole host of black men and women killed by policemen. And yet the church must not be so self, self-focused that it fails to use its strength, its power, its inspiration to transform the valley. There's pain in the valley. Today, like never before, there's pain in the valley. And it does not get reported on the evening news. There are families in the valley today who are wondering how they're going to eat. Food lines are lined up through our communities. Food pantries have become a a kind of lifestyle in African-American communities, in poor communities. There are people who are haven't been employed since the pandemic came. There is the pain of continuous suffering and uncertainty that has accompanied this 
this, this pandemic. Medical care is unequally distributed among our communities. There is real pain in the valley. And the church cannot, be a, cannot afford to retreat on Sunday morning into the mountain and then forget on Monday morning that they have an obligation and a responsibility. We on this anniversary Sunday are called to recommit ourselves to the transformation of the valley. Jesus says we can't, can't, we can't stay up here. He knows that while he's on the mountain, the other disciples are struggling with the father. So he goes to the valley, takes the disciples, they go down the valley, and when, when they get to the valley, here is the challenge that is presented to the church. This father, whose son is sick, comes to Jesus as he comes to where they are. And he says to Jesus, I took my son to your disciples and they could not cure him. I took my son to your disciples and they could not cure him. That is an awesome indicting challenge to the church, to me, to you. Will we be able to answer that the sons and daughters of fathers in pain and children in pain will have come to our churches and found no solace, no hope, no healing? I, I hope that that will not be the conclusion of my own ministry, that the testimony will be, I took my son to your disciples and they could not cure them. The Bible says that Jesus confronts them and receives them. When I look at this text, the question becomes, why are the disciples not engaging? Why are the disciples not moved to be there with this young man? and this father. Well, when I look at the text and consider the contextual realities of the church in the 21st century, there are three things that rise to my attention. First of all, these disciples who were Jesus' followers, they had no expectation of healing. They didn't have a healing expectation. They were, they were the Jesus' father. The, 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 the father had more of a healing expectation of them than they did of themselves. He, he felt that since they were Jesus' people and Jesus' followers, that he could go to them because Jesus is a healer. And so he thought that maybe they could help since they were following. Since on the, since on the sign on the outside of the church was the name of Jesus. They thought that maybe we could get the same thing accomplished. So they, the father has an expectation that maybe these, these disciples, these followers of Jesus can heal my son. But unfortunately, when the father comes to the disciples, you know, part of the reason why many churches are, are not relevant is because they have no healing expectation. They don't, they don't have 
of themselves the expectation that, that the community is supposed to be a better place, a safer place, a more justice-given place, a more gracious place because the church is in the community. The church ought to make a difference. The church ought to have a healing expectation because the church is in the space. Houses ought to get built. Hungry ought to get fed. Children ought to get taught. Schools ought to get empowered. The church ought to be evaluated by the fact that it has a healing. But too many of our churches don't have a healing expectation. They don't expect to make a difference. They live in the shadows of a, a darkness that is devastating. And in un and, and disengagement that leaves people hurting without hope. So these disciples are there and the father comes and he's seeking healing for his son. And uh, the disciples, they, like many of our church people, ask questions, answer questions that are not being asked. The disciples, they, the disciples, they, uh, they said, well, what can we do for you? He says, well, he said, have you been baptized? Said, no, no, I didn't come to get baptized. I came because my, my son is sick and he needs healing. I said, well, 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 well uh, are, are you a member of this church? No, 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 I'm not, I'm not looking for membership. I'm just, my, my boy said, well, well, said uh, have you been baptized? Oh, no, no, do you take communion? No, 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 I'm not here for that. I'm, I'm here because my son is sick and I need some help. And, and I thought that since you are Jesus' follower, I would bring my son to you. The Bible says that the man leaves the church. Here it is. The Bible says he stumbles up on Jesus on his own. He stumbles up on Jesus on his own. When he stumbles into Jesus, he says to Jesus, I just left the church. And I took my son there, and they could not cure him. I took my son to the church, and, I, and they could not cure him. Second thing that rises from this notion is that the disciples did not have the same priority as Jesus has for people. You see, Jesus... When, when the man comes to Jesus and says, I brought my son to your disciples and they could not cure him, it, it upsets Jesus. As a matter of fact, it upsets Jesus so bad that, 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 that the text, Jesus goes to cussing. Now, now, you may not be able to hear it because it's been sanitized by 2,000 years of translation. But, but, but it's there. Jesus says, uh, oh, you perverse and faithless generation, how long do I have to be with you before you understand what my priorities and my missions are? My mission is, Jesus has a priority of people. People matter. And the disciples do not have a healing capacity because they have no, have not made people the priority. Too many of our churches today are focused on things, focused on rituals, focused on who's going to be the president, the politics of the church, who's, who's going to be the president of the missionary society, who's going to keep the keys to the church, who's going to change the altar flowers, who's what, what color uniform we're going to wear today, what kind of roles we're going to wear, what march are we going to do, but what, what about the pain of the people? What, what about the changes that people are going through in their lives? What, what is our response to that? 
they don't have a healing expectation, but they don't, they don't have a priority for people. And Jesus has a priority for people. If you're going to follow Jesus, people have got to matter. People have got to matter more than procedures and policies and ordinances and rituals. Jesus came to people. People are Jesus' priority. And if we're going to be the church on this anniversary Sunday, we've got to make sure that people are the priority. That the lame walk, that the blind see, that the lonely are comforted, that those in jail are treated with justice. We've got to be concerned about the pain in the valley. There is pain in the valley. And people is the priority of Jesus. And if we're Jesus' people, people have got to be our priority. So, Jesus then turns to the Father and the Son. And he takes the Son and he heals him. And then, Jesus walks on down the road. The disciples sheepishly follow Jesus. And shyly ask the question, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And Jesus says, because you have a faith deficiency. Jesus goes on and says, if you could have had the faith of a mustard seed, you could, you could speak to the mountain and tell it to move and the mountain would move. What Jesus does is he challenges them as to whether or not they have, and, the, and one of the reasons that the disciples could not heal is they had a faith deficiency. Whenever you got a faith deficiency, you cannot be effective as an extension of God's ministry in the world. You got to have faith. Without faith, you can't just rest on what you can see and what you can calculate and what you can plan for and what you can orchestrate. You've got to have a faith perspective. You've got to be able to see past what is obvious and trust God in the darkness. Hold on to God's unchanging hand, though the trials may be difficult and, difficult and, and hard to handle. Jesus says, if you just had the faith, I must have said so our inadequacies to be what God wants the church to be is based on our inexpect low expectations of ourselves to be healers. It's based on our having not made people priority and a deficiency of faith. Faith is required. So our prayer, our prayer this anniversary Sunday ought to be, Lord, make us a church of high expectations of ourselves. Make us a church where people matter most. And make us a church of full faith and faithful power and faithful partnership. Jesus said, if you can say, speak to the mountain, you can tell the mountain, get out of the way. You know, in my life, I have been around the world. I've never mastered many languages. And I think at this stage in my life, I shall not. I, I, I do not believe that I shall ever be able to be articulate in French or Spanish. I think my capacity to speak Greek has passed. And the more than 150 dialects of Africa, I shall never be able to master. I'll never be able to speak Japanese or the Asian languages. They, they will pass me by. But one thing I'm working on speaking, 
I'm working on being articulate in the language of faith. I, 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 want, I want to be able to speak faith. I want to be a specialist in faith. I, I want to grow to, to speak with forcefulness the, 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 the language of faith that can, and what does faith say when faith speaks? What does faith say? Faith says, mountain, get out of my way. I want to be able to speak faith. Don't you want to be able to speak faith? Ought we, not as a congregation, what we not want to be able to speak faith? We may not be able to speak in the multiple languages of the world. We may not even be able to speak tongues, but we ought to be able to speak faith. We ought to be able to speak that which empowers and sets free and moves obstacles out of the way. We, we ought to be able to speak faith. We ought to be able to speak faith. Oh. When faith speaks, what does faith say? Faith says, mountain, be thou removed. When faith speaks, what does faith say? Faith says, the Jacobites are up in the mountain and the Hittites are on by the sea. But we can conquer the land. When faith speaks, what does faith say? Faith says, O king, we're not careful to answer you. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. When faith speaks, what, what does faith say? Faith says, though we are weak, we are strong. When faith speaks, what does faith say? Faith says, take these empty water pots and fill them with water and serve it to the feast as wine. When faith speaks, what does faith say? Faith says, take up your bed and walk. When faith speaks, what does faith say? Take this sand and go wash in the pool and be and see. When faith speaks, what does faith say? Faith says, Lazarus, come forth. When faith speaks, what does faith say? Our God whom we serve is able and he will deliver us. When faith speaks, what does faith say? Though your sins be as Darkness, they shall be lighter than snow. When faith speaks, what does faith say? God will make a way somehow. We in Brad's Hurts in 1833 wrote a powerful hymn that speaks to this moment and to this text and it goes oh for faith that will not shrink though pressed by every foe that will not tremble on the brink of any earthly war that will not murmur nor complain beneath the chastening rod but in the hour of grief or pain will lean upon his God. Oh, faith, a faith that shines more bright and clear when tempest rains without. That when in danger knows no fear, in darkness feels no doubt. Lord, 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 Lord give me such a faith. Wherever may come, I'll taste even here the hollow bliss of an eternal home. Lord, give me that kind of faith. Give me the kind of faith that will speak to mountains, the brokenness 
and injustice and make the claim of the Christ. If you're here today and you have not surrendered your life to Christ, this is a powerful moment, a powerful Sunday to turn over and give it to God. I invite you to accept. I know the pastor here is ready to receive you wherever you are. Whatever your circumstance is, God can reach you where you are. And if you speak faith, God will speak healing, grace, and salvation on your life. God bless you. Do me a favor, put your hands together, give God praise. Thank you to my brother, my friend, my classmate, Dr. W. Franklin Richardson for such a powerful, pastoral, prophetic, priestly, profound message for our church anniversary, the church in paralysis. And even during these pandemic times, uh, many churches have stepped up to bat to fill the gaps in our community and St. Paul has been one of them. We've been able to fill the gap when it comes to housing. We've been able to fill the gap when it comes to hunger. We've been able to fill the gap when it comes to medical needs. We've been able to fill the gaps when it comes to benevolence. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Richardson for such a profound word to remind us of what we are called to do, and that is to be a blessing to people. To make a difference. And as he said, even in this time of pandemic, we're still growing. People are still becoming a part of the tribe here at St. Paul. Uh, we baptized Mackenzie this morning. We got several others that we'll be baptizing in the weeks to come. Sign Church still growing. We are still having uh, CEO classes, which is our new disciple class. Church is still growing. But we come to this moment to extend to those who are watching us live stream an opportunity to become a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to lead you in a short prayer. And it's a prayer of new life, a prayer of a brand new start. And as you pray this prayer, if it's applicable to you, uh, we want you to make a decision for eternity. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, we want you to make a decision for salvation. But if you are saved, if you know Christ, but you are not connected to a church, we would love for you to become part of our family. I would love to be your pastor, and we have a whole lot of people who are part of our congregation who would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. And let's do life together. So if you wouldn't mind, if you would, wherever you are right now, just bow your head and repeat this prayer after me. We all say it together because it's a reminder for those of us who are saved what God has done. But if it means something to you, make a decision real soon. Repeat after me. Lord, I thank you that you are able to blow my mind. You show that through your love, your grace and your forgiveness. God, you have offered me the gift of salvation. You proved you love me 
by sending Jesus to die for all my sins. He died on a cross. You raised him from the dead. And one day, he's coming back. I believe that. I accept that. And I pray right now that you would give me the gift of salvation. Forgive me of all my sins. Help me be the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Check this out. If you prayed that prayer, you meant that prayer in your head, in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. Salvation is yours. Is it really that easy? Yes, it is. Because you're not saved by your works. You're not saved by coming to a church building. You're not saved by giving money on giving a file, sending a check to the church. You are saved by your faith. All that other stuff you do to show that you're saved. But that ain't how you get saved. And so if you prayed that prayer with sincerity, salvation is yours. Well, what's the next step, Pastor? It's real easy. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, you can email us at connect to spbcnc.org. If you are watching us on Facebook or on our website, just type in salvation in the chat box. One of our digital ministers will reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. If you're on the phone, email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call the church office at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and your number. Someone by five o'clock tomorrow evening will get in touch with you. You may be saying, well, hey, pastor, I'm already saved. I love Jesus, got a connection with him, but I don't have a church home. I would like to make St. Paul my tribe. We would love for you to do life with us. So if that's you, I want you to do me this favor. If you're watching us, just type in connect on Facebook or our website. When our digital ministers will reach out to you. If you're watching us on YouTube, email us at connect at spbcnc.org. Someone will connect with you. Or if you're listening to us on the phone, call us at 704-334-5309 or email us at connect at spbcnc.org. Leave your name, your number, your information. Someone will get in touch with you by 5 o'clock tomorrow evening. Amen. And let you know what the next steps are. Amen. So if you would, just go ahead and start making that move right now. Start sending those messages right now. We want to reach out to you. We want you to be part of us as we become part of you. Again, I want to thank my friend, my brother, my classmate, the Reverend Dr. W. Franklin Richardson for such a profound and inspiring message. Thank you, my brother. And uh, I pray that this message has blessed you all as much as it has blessed me. Let me just share one more thing prior to us getting ready to call it a day. And this is for those who are watching or listening right now, that if you have had a loved one to have died because of COVID-19, FEMA, uh, the Federal Emergency Management Association uh, is allowing for you to receive reimbursement for funeral costs. They're allowing you to receive reimbursement for funeral 
costs. And, and you're able to apply to receive that reimbursement. Now, there are some catches to it. There are some catches to it. Uh, first of all, you have to have documentation. You have to have documentation. You just can't apply and say, I lost somebody to COVID. There has to be documentation. And then you also need to have receipts that you paid for a funeral. Amen. This is not free money. This is what? Reimbursement. Uh, so if you would go to the FEMA website, they have further information as far as that is concerned. Uh, I believe that we have also sent out emails through our church cast to all the disciples who are part of this church to let you know what that process is. So if you have not seen that, go look in your spam folder or your junk file and see if you've gotten something from the church that will give you further explanation. But there are some catches. So read it closely. And if it applies, you can be reimbursed if you have had a funeral for a loved one that has died of COVID. Uh, and, and it's specified COVID. Okay, it is specified COVID. So I wanted to share that with you. Amen. Well, beloved, listen, um, it's been a wonderful Sunday. I miss you all immensely. I am so glad my chair of our deacons are is, is here to uh, have shared with me in the water. Thank you, Mackenzie, for letting us baptize you. And uh, we take wonderful delight in that. Um, she is one of the reasons that we exist. Uh, the church continues to grow. We're getting ready to have our benediction. We are one day closer to coming back in, in some shape, form, or fashion. Now, our chair assistant, uh, Doc Barnes, is helping me to navigate this spot. And uh, we're looking forward to having gatherings whereby we will have conversation on what that's going to look like. Uh, but it's a lot closer uh, than it had been in the past. Continue to pray for us and pray with us as we be the church that the Lord will have for us to be. Now, wherever you are, if you would, just bow your heads for our benediction and prayer. God, we thank you for this word that has been shared. We thank you for the songs that have been rendered. We thank you for the prayers that have been given. We thank you for the scriptures that have been read. We thank you, oh God, for the preaching of Dr. W. Franklin Richardson. And now, God, we pray that you seal this in a benediction. Empower us to be not a church of paralysis, but a church of empowerment. And as we move forward from these hallowed halls into the community and into the space, empower us to do mission out there as we do ministry in here. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with all exceeding joy. To the only wise God be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forevermore. And the people of God inside, online, on Zoom, on the phone said, Amen. Listen, God loves you. I love you. God loves you even more. I can't wait to see you. Continue to pray for us, with us. And we look forward to you all joining us Wednesday for prayer call or Thursday for Bible study. God bless you all. Thank you to our Young Adult Praise Team. God bless you all so much. God bless you. Take care.